sport administrators, sport fans and participants themselves. Sarah and Ash sit down with a bunch of inspiring female leaders from within the sports industry who share their journey of achieving their aspirations. Welcome back to the next episode of the Sports Intervision Podcast. We are very excited to be joined by today's guest who has recently returned from New York City where she spent the best part of six years working and studying. From travelling over there to study for a master's degree, Emily Walker then landed the role as Manager of Partnership Development for the NBA. During her time at the NBA, Emily worked her way up to what she considers her dream role as the Director of Partnership Development where she marketed the NBA to the world's best marketers. As a senior member of the partnership development team, Emily led the go-to-market B2B marketing strategy and brand position of the NBA and WNBA, as well as a customized multi-year sports marketing program for the world's most recognizable brands. We are really excited to chat to Emily today, so welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, and it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks. So Emily, we always like to start with the same question for our guests. Can you tell us what your earliest memory of sport is? I can. And it, and it's funny because I grew up playing sports from as long as I can remember. And so pinpointing the one time might be tough, but I know that I grew up across the road from a cricket oval. And so always on the weekend would see lots of different and like community level cricket, lots of different community teams coming to play cricket. But the the one memory that really sticks with me is seeing Kathy Freeman get silver in the 1996 Olympics and then having the opportunity years later uh, after I'd started my athletics career, I think I was certainly inspired by her. I actually saw her not in the finals, but in the semifinals to go through to the finals of the Sydney Olympics in 2000 and was there at Stadium Australia for the Olympics. And that was so special. So I think those two combined, just being exposed to it from a very young age, but then seeing Kathy Freeman and definitely as somebody who I aspired to be and who really got me into sports, particularly athletics. Wow, that's awesome. Can you tell us what was the vibe like in the stadium when she was racing? It was incredible. I mean, I was I was young, I was in primary school, but there's something so vivid about it and I remember it. And if you have ever been to an athletics event and certainly a, an Olympic athletics event, there's always a lot of things going on at the same time. But when something like that race starts, there's nobody looking anywhere else. It's only, it's all eyes glued to whatever was happening on the track, especially a race of that caliber with such an important outcome of, you know, moving forward into the finals. So it was, it was pretty electric, but at the same time, you could probably hear a pin drop as, as they started. Um, and then the, just the crowd building and building louder and louder and louder as she came to the finish line. Yeah, that would have been absolutely amazing. Experience in PR and communications. Can you tell us a little bit about what your motivation was to get into the sporting sector? Certainly. Look, I think that one of the things about PR and communications is that you learn how to be really persuasive and you learn how to communicate in such a way that persuades people to do whatever you're trying to do. And so when I thought about what I wanted to persuade people about, there was only a few things that really rose to the top. And and sports was certainly one of them. I think sports has the ability to connect people uh, of all age, race, gender, uh, in a way that not many other things in the world do. Uh, particularly the Olympics, I think, is one of my earliest memories of seeing that. People from everywhere just coming together to support each other um, and to support their country. But certainly the idea that you could persuade people in such an important and impactful way to really get behind different teams and get behind different players and and really form that camaraderie, the power of sports is why. 
I think it's really interesting that you've brought up the Olympics a couple of times. We had a guest on here previously that mentioned the Olympics is probably the first memory that she has of watching female sport. And it's the one time where female sport perhaps has the same platform as the the men's. Do you think that had an impact on you as well? Certainly. I think I love Matt Shervington and certainly follow Matt Shervington as a male athlete on the Australian athletics team, but that by no way did it have the same impact on me as Kathy Freeman did. Seeing Kathy Freeman there made me think I could do it myself. And I pursued a career in athletics until I was uh, 17 or 18 because of that, because I saw that that was an avenue for a, a woman as an athlete to actually pursue and have a trajectory and a career in it. One of the things I think is really cool about my time in America is the NCAA and Title IX and the way those college athletes have a way forward. And I think that that's something which I really wish Australia had, because certainly by the time I was in university, I was I didn't really see how or, or why I would continue on. But I see it in the US. And maybe once they finish college, they, they're posed with the same challenge. But it's certainly that little bit longer, those four years longer that you can really see a way forward as a female athlete. Yeah, it's true. It's a bit of a mixed bag, isn't it? Because we've got such a social side of it, but you sort of get to 17 and 18 and you've got to move straight into it where that NCAA pathway, it does make sense to sort of further that career and maybe, you know, people from 18 to 22 can get um, improved so much. So you spoke to us there a little bit how you moved overseas and you spent some time in America and at college. So you went to Columbia University. Can you maybe talk us through a little bit why you decided to study over there and what the experience was like? Yeah. So I actually first went over to the US when I was 16 with a couple of friends of mine, which seemed wild at the time. I don't know what our parents were thinking. Uh, and we had a great time. We went to visit one of our friend's families in North America and had a fantastic time. That then inspired me to look at how I could do an exchange. And so I actually did university exchange in my second year at University of Miami. Now, I had no idea that University of Miami was quite a good school. I just picked it based on the weather. And so I laugh about that because it and turns out it's not only a fantastic sporting school, but it's a great school for advertising communications. It's also a really fun school to go to. So having done that, I that was in 2010, when I was faced with the opportunity to, you know, I wanted to restudy. I was doing PR and I felt like I was a little bit too siloed. And so I was looking more to go more broad at brand strategy or strategic communications or, or, or both. And really, I looked around the world uh, to do that. And there was there were courses here that did that, but not in the same specialized way. And so I only applied to one school and one school, they call them school in the US, one college. I only applied to one college and it was Columbia. And I was lucky enough to get in. And it's a funny story because one of my best friends tricked me into a one-way ticket to South America. And I, I look back and I think it's one of the best things she ever did for me, but she did that. And I actually quit my job, left, went to South America and thought, I'm going to take a sabbatical at the age of 25, mid, you know, quarter life crisis. And then while I was there, I was like, oh, I should probably do something. You know, what, what am I going to do when I get back? I should probably have a bit of a plan. And so it was while I was backpacking around South America that I actually did my application for Colombia. I took my interview in an uh, internet cafe in Florianopolis in the south of Brazil and just had this wild story to tell whoever would listen and that that's kind of how I got into Colombia, just while I backpacked around South America. And then so six months after that, I moved home for a month or two and then moved over to New York. 
It's a pretty impressive story. It's a, a very well-known school, so I like that you've just sort of done that on the side whilst backpacking. I'll just throw in an application to Columbia and see how that goes. Did you have in your mind that you might work in sport at any point when you were applying for these courses? Obviously, PR and communications is where your passion was. Did you ever think of a sports management degree or something like that? So there were two degrees at Columbia that I considered doing. And one of them was in sports management and it's a fantastic course. And I I know a lot of people I worked with at the MBA had done that course. And then the other one is strategic communications, which is the one I ended up doing. They both sit in the same school. So it's like under law school, there might be a couple of different degrees. So under the school of uh, continuing education, there were these two degrees. And I did really think about it. But I think the thing for me is that I wanted to be an expert in what I was passionate about and then find my way into sports that way rather than have a generalist, a more general degree in sports. And now that program's fantastic and you can pick different paths to specialize in and different things. But accounting really scares me. And there was an accounting (laughs) course in there. It's fair enough. Numbers really scare me. And so I just thought, you know what, I'm going to stick to my guns here. I'm going to stick to brand strategy, go down that path. Um, and I think it worked well for me. And there were, you have career coaches at Columbia and the career coaches on the sports management side, when they found out that I got a job at the NBA, spoke to the career coaches on my courses side, and were like, hey, how did one of your people get one of our jobs? <laughs> yep. And so, but that, and that was really interesting. But I think that it did, it wasn't like I did brand strategy and then found my way into sports. I was pretty strategic about it. So in all my projects that I did, I centered them on sports. So you had a brand DNA course project and I did on the New York Giants. You, We had our thesis and I did it on the 2014 opening series of the MLB in Sydney, Australia, and how they tried to grow the game of baseball here in Australia. And I did another brand one on Adidas and how Adidas tries to reach multicultural youth males. And so I kind of centered everything I did around sports and built connections in the sports industry that way, even while going down this kind of pretty niche track of brand strategy and communications. Yeah, that's really cool because I think, you know, it's just the perfect example that you can be passionate about sport and still know that you want to end up in sport and passionate about another area and go off and study that. And we've had a few examples, like, you know, we've got had someone who was a lawyer and she was doing a heap of stuff in sport. So I think people get a little bit caught up on, I need to work in this degree to, to get here, but it's, um yeah, it's really good advice. I also spent some time in the US, much less time doing a small study tour in the US a couple of years ago. And, you know, a similar thing in terms of working with some, they did some projects with major sporting things and brands. Is that one of the key differences you find in the US compared to Australia is the, I guess you've probably just got these major brands coming to you a lot of the time? Yeah, they, they certainly do come to us and, and not having worked in a similar role in Australia, I can't necessarily draw the comparison, but I can say that it was a matter of finding the right brand. Certainly there is outreach and there is going to different partners and brands and saying, hey, we want to partner with you. It's not all reactive. But there is a certain level of that just because of, I think, the power of the NBA brand and and its relevance and culture and its ability to transcend across people of all different backgrounds. And also the global nature of the sport drew in a lot of people as well. Um, But my bread and butter was certainly the US and US partnerships. And people worried that the price tag was too high and and that it couldn't be for them and they couldn't afford to do something like this or we wouldn't want to do it with them. And so 
think there was a lot of education around the fact that for the right partner, we could always make it work if they were willing to make a longer term investment. Because the MBA partnerships really are rooted in building that brand equity with the power of the MBA brand over several years rather than a one and done one year deal or something like that. You mentioned earlier around getting a role at the NBA, even though you did the PR and communications degree. What was the process like around getting the position at the NBA? I think a lot of people um, and some people listening might assume that it's a really hard and rigorous process or it's a, a bit of like who you know, not the process itself. So I'd be keen to hear about how you did learn that job. This is definitely a loaded question by Sarah as well. She's taking 100%. a lot of notes. I know she's desperate I know, to work I at the really NBA one day. So. <laughs> I just need a green. I just need to marry an American, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, we'll work on that bit too. <laughs> I love it. We so it's an interesting process, and mine isn't necessarily typical, but they have done a lot of work to make sure that the way I was hired doesn't happen again because I think it was way, way, way too long and complicated. And so they have changed the way that they hire. But mine involved. I met with twelve different people. I, it took months and months and months. It was kind of a unique process because I had gone for a role, which was then a little bit too junior. They were then had the person in the role above that move on during that time. And therefore I kind of re-interviewed for that more senior role. And so perhaps it was a little bit more complicated than that. But I think the most important thing is it's not who you know, but it's how proactive you are in terms of reaching out. And so It's not like I had a best friend that worked there and that they got me in, but I asked the right people, hey, does anybody know anybody that works at the NBA, the NFL, the NHL, the MLB, and worked my way around that? I was lucky enough to get introduced to somebody in HR in early 2015, and I I didn't start at the NBA until late 2016. And so it was almost a two-year process if you think about it from there. So I think it's just about being proactive, staying in touch, knowing where you want to work and knowing what the aspiration is and then waiting for it to be the right thing and the right time rather than trying to throw your hat into the ring for just any old role. I had a lot of really good conversations with people there who said, you know what, you'd be great. You're a cultural fit, cultural ad, however you say it. But there was one person who said, I don't think you're born to sell. And I was like, you're right. I'm not. This isn't the right role for me. And he's like, I think you'd be better on the partnership development team. And I was like, completely agree. But now because I, put, I got my foot in the door and I was able to have that conversation. I was then able to keep in touch for when that right role did come up. So I think it's just important to reach out, to connect with people, to be proactive, to understand where you want to be and then what the org structure is and, and how you can get in there so that you know when that position comes available, you can jump on it or raise your hand or just stay in touch. And then, so you did land the job. And so what was it like working for the MBA, you know, probably one of, if not the biggest sports in the world on a global scale? It was fantastic. I loved it. Um, I, it was the type of company where you're so proud to work there, so proud of the work in which they do, so proud of the leadership and, and the way you know they govern. I think for me, I came in at a time where Adam Silva had really found his feet and it had been two years since he started. And I think some of the best executives um, and leadership, leadership styles that I've seen are the, are the kind that come in and observe and change what they need to change, but then observe and then make changes once they're really familiar with it. And that's certainly what Adam did. So I came in at a time of huge change. So the NBA walked into it in 2016 is not the one I virtually walked out of in 2021. It, it was quite different. And 
Adam had such a focus on making it a place that people love to work and that had never been a focus before. Um, David Stone is brilliant, but was ruthless at the same time. And, and Adam really came in and said, no, I want people to love working here. They spend too much time here to not love working here. So what can we do to make that happen? And so I think a lot of it was about empowering, empowering and empathy and, and leading in a way that multiplied people's talents, not necessarily diminished people's talents. So aside from it being the MBA and being a really cool place to work and having on your LinkedIn and having a great business card and, and being the friend with the cool job, I think what it really was was feeling like you were doing something good and feeling like, especially in America in the time in which it was 2016 to 2020, was a pretty interesting time politically. I think to be able to work in an organization which really stood its ground and stood up for people of minorities and, and stood behind its players and their desires. Uh, it was just an all-round awesome experience. And the last thing I'll say is everyone there was really smart. And that's the other really cool thing about it. There's no, no one's there to be there. Everybody's there because they want to be there. And you have a lot of type A people, but a lot of humility in that type A person because everybody's there to do the best that they can, but everybody's really proud to work there as well. You spoke a little bit there about the, I guess, the climate in the US over the last four years. I guess one of the big topics here recently is around women's leadership in sport. Is it similar over there? I guess over here we've got a bit of a lack of women's leadership and we've seen a lot of high-profile CEO roles walk away in just, just the last couple of months. What's it like in the US in terms of that? That's a great question, and I think there had been strides made. Like there's, There's been strides made with women in leadership in the US, in sports in particular, but there's still so, so far to go. Sports lags behind uh, most industries there as a, as a, I guess, historically male-dominated space. I think the NBA had done and continues to do a fantastic job of really elevating women and empowering women. And so one of the things they did was recognize that women across all levels of the organization needed to empower and mentor women women beneath them and not necessarily take the stand that, well, I did it hard, so you have to do it hard. So there was a real education process which said, doesn't matter how hard you did it, it shouldn't have been that way. Let's acknowledge it shouldn't have been that way and let's uplift and empower women to the levels that they should to the levels that they should be. And I think the NBA in particular did a really good job of that. It was a really strong women's network. There was women coaching circles. There was a women's leadership day in which we involved all the different team employees with the league employees. And then you obviously have the WNBA, which is under the same roof and is one of the most diverse sports leadership teams in in the US. And they're actually the leader for diversity and they're the leader for women in leadership positions as well. So to have that underneath our umbrella certainly inspired us to try and do better. But then, yeah, just I think the focus of it by the league and by the corporate side of things to recognize that diverse opinions are are great and diverse opinions are going to make sports what they are. Absolutely. And I think this is going to test my limited NBA knowledge, but was it Becky Hammond? I think she was at the Spurs and she ended up coming on and actually being the first female head coach for for a game there. Does something like that have an impact at the corporate level, you think, as well? Or is it more a longer term thing of, you know, younger females seeing someone in a position like that and it being so vocal that it could have a, a really good impact in the future? I think it's a 
it's a product of everybody's openness to it. So I think the Spurs did an incredible job and Greg Popovich did an incredible job to recognize Becky's talent and elevate her, not just because she's a woman, but because she's really, really talented. And she just happened to be a woman. Now, I think that also goes to the respect of the players. The players love Becky. And they have, they think she's brilliant. Now, have what effect does that have at the corporate level? I, I don't know that it has a huge effect other than the fact that we're so supportive of it and we're always going to empower it and we're always going to say that that's a great thing. But the coaching staff decisions are certainly at the team level. One of the women I find most inspiring at the NBA was actually Kathy Behrens. And Kathy Behrens is, at the time I joined, the most she, I believe she was one of the most senior women in sports in the US and she headed up all of our players from a league level and also our social responsibility. Now those two things don't necessarily go together, but she invited them to go together. And she has a huge part, she played a huge part in our players being seen less as thugs, let's say they were in, in a certain in a certain Allen Iverson era. Their words, not mine, and really help them become role models and and better citizens through our social responsibility program. And I think that the empathy of a woman and a leader, a woman in that leadership position, so high up at the NBA, certainly had a really positive influence on how our players are seen today. And Kathy's still around, and Kathy's still doing incredible work leading up our player communications and also leading our social responsibility. That's really um, nice to hear. That's kind of why we started this podcast is that we meet and we work with really incredible female leaders from an administration point of view that really inspire and motivate people like myself and Ash. But others might not be aware of all these, you know, awesome women that are out there leading the way in sports. So it's really nice to hear that. Yeah, kind of you value the same same things over in the, the US. What would you say has been your biggest challenge in um, sport within your career? I would have to say it's probably now. It's <laughs> making the transition between US sports and Australian sport. And one of the, just on a side note, one of the funniest and hardest things to wrap my head around is that in America, it's sports plural. And in Australia, it's sport <laughs> singular. <laughs> Do you so know what's I funny think- about that? The podcast is called sport intuition i'm constantly saying sports intuition or sport intuition so even for our own podcast i still yeah. do. so the americanisms creep in sorry to interrupt with that no they do they do and so i'm pretty like is it sports or sport and but i've wrapped my head around which one it is and i still can't say the right one no i think that my biggest challenge in sports in my sporting career would be now so i finished with the nba at the start of this year because of tax reasons and the desire to stay in australia so i have been working some pretty wild New York hours since March uh, when coronavirus hit. We came back for a family wedding and never made it back to the U.S., but have been working here very happily um, some very, very early mornings and uh, had some very early nights. But I think the hardest transition for me was finishing that up at a quite short notice and not having really had the chance to get myself in the position I wanted to be. Now, I, I kind of had two choices. Like we could have gone back and I could have continued my role at the NBA or I could force myself into a position where I was forced to be far more ambitious and really explore what else is out there rather than continuing on, I guess, with the status quo at a time where sports across the world is in a challenging position. And I guess I chose the hard road 
um, in terms of exploring what else is out there. But I know me and I know that I wanted to do that and to force myself to be more ambitious and to network and to explore the Australian sports landscape. And the people I have met, I've been really impressed with. And everybody's openness and willingness to help has been incredible. Now, I wish I'd met far more women than I have men, but unfortunately I've met far more men than I have women. So I was excited to hear from you guys to help maybe change that in the future. Yeah, no doubt. And you know, that's what we want to do. We want to share people's stories and then hopefully, you know, in five, 10, 15 years, it's, uh, that's not the case. You spoke there a little bit about, you know, what, what you were thinking for next and no doubt any organisation is going to be very happy and very lucky to have you. Have you thought a little bit about what that might be in terms of roles or what sort of, is it a team? Is it a league? Is it a, a national body? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and I'm open to it all, which I think is the great and exciting part prospect for me. It's, it's more about finding the right role. And so for me, I was on the strategic side of sales and uh, the commercial side of the business. And now, believe me, I love being on the revenue generating side of the business. There's something special about pulling in a huge deal and getting so excited about it and you know, going out and celebrating it and then really seeing it come to life and, and seeing all your hard work come to life and pulling in that deal. But I think where my real passion lies is in marketing and it's in brand marketing and finding that connection between brands. Um, with their audience. And so at the NBA, I really did have what I consider the dream job of, you know, marketing to the world's best marketers in terms of, you know, convincing beats that through the NBA, you could build this message and this campaign that would then reach a certain fan. I think for me here, my path thought I hope is at any particular level, but really honing in on how do you build a brand around either the team, the league, the sporting body to connect with who their audience is and to connect with those fans to get more people playing sport, more people watching sport, more people going to sport, more people connecting with other people over sport. Uh, and really using that as an avenue just to celebrate what sports is, which is a, just a way to come together. Yeah, that's it really came through your passion about what it is you like doing when you're working in sport. What do you think has been either, you know, the most the biggest or the most rewarding thing that you've done within your career in sport? Yeah, so this is a great question because <laughs> I love talking about it. <laughs> I worked also, I was at the NBA, but I worked also with the WNBA and I was able to work very closely with that team at a really pivotal time in their kind of timeline. So at the start of 2020, the NBA appointed the first ever WNBA commissioner in the ex-Deloitte CEO, Kathy Engelbert, and she's a very impressive woman. But prior to that, everybody had just been a president. And so kind of reporting line up to Adam Silver, reporting line through the NBA. So this was the first time that the WNBA had their own commissioner with complete independence of decision making and really an empowerment to do whatever they think is going to be the best thing for the WNBA. So as she was on her way in, transitioning into the role, we were then empowered to really rethink what we can do for the WNBA and rethink the corporate partnerships model because we had several partners who were perpetually unhappy with the return on investment. And that's interesting because it, it, it's I'm sure it's a common story and an unsurprising story. The WNBA compared to the NBA doesn't get the same eyeballs and it doesn't, but it also doesn't get the same investment. So we were challenged to come up with 
a really new way of thinking. And I was one of the authors of WNBA Changemakers, which is a first of its kind collective of brands who want to help transform the WNBA, empower women, and build equality in sports. And so what that did was it broke down the traditional sponsorship model. It said, let's not do, here's your asset, this is how many eyeballs it's potentially seen, and and here's your return on investment, or likewise with social media and branded content. Here are your impressions, and this is how many people saw it. Let's break that down and say, hey, if you're a brand and you want to support women, and you want to support young girls and encourage young girls to aspire to play sport, then let's talk about that. And so what we're able to do is ask for a much greater investment with the opportunity to really address the vulnerabilities of the WNBA. And this is the first time the WNBA had really put it out there as a league that our players aren't paid enough. They don't travel in the best conditions. They, they fly coach, they fly economy. They don't, their health and wellness is affected by the way in which they travel. The sales and marketing needs a lot of help. And then afterwards, you know, what's their career transition? We were able to bring on three brands initially, Nike, AT&T, and Deloitte, and just change the script on what it meant to be a partner. And I think the incredible response we got from them was suddenly it wasn't ROI. It was what more can we be doing to help? And so AT&T really stepped up in their sales and marketing of the league with the avenues in which they have in the media company they have. Nike looked at career transition and also they just released their new WNBA jerseys this year and really put a lot more investment into the jerseys and the merchandising of women's basketball range. They've since launched a women's basketball range as well, like a purely women's basketball range. And then Deloitte really looked at our business and looked at the WNBA business and said, okay, these are the different ways in which we can help. And so the money that we were able to bring in from that helped get the CBA across the line, the collective bargaining agreement with the players across the line in the first couple of months of Kathy's tenure, which was a huge win. And we wouldn't have been able to do it without that money that we pulled in from those brands. So WNBA Changemakers was a way for us to address the issues that we face in women's sport through corporate partners and through through changing up the model and asking these corporate partners to to take a chance and to do more for women and to do more for women in sport. And the results we saw were incredible. And the openness they have to doing things differently is really testament to those brands and their belief in women. Yeah, that sounds like an absolutely amazing project that I think is just going to have um, so many ongoing results. I think we could talk about that for hours. And one of the questions we'll get to very shortly is around your legacy, but I feel like you've given a very, very good answer around that already. One thing just to go back to quickly, you spoke a little bit about, um, you know, how you went and studied in the US and you sort of searched for that degree at Columbia. And I it felt like you were quite specific in how you wanted to to look into that and really knew what you wanted to do, which I think is great rather than just sort of throwing it up in the air and saying, I need to continue to learn. What about now? How some ways that you continue to learn? I think the ways I continue to learn now have been from different people and just expanding my network, certainly over the last few months uh, with different people here in Australia has helped me just really understand a completely new market for myself. I think that working for organizations that value education is something that I was privileged to do at the NBA and maybe not something that all sports leagues do, but they had a course called, sorry, they had a program called MBAU, so MBA University. And so we were constantly learning. We were constantly having the opportunity to do all different courses, whether it was refining presentation skills, strategic thinking, creativity, 
uh, leadership. And so I had the benefit of continuing to learn at the MBA through MBA U. Uh, now that I'm back in Australia, I think that the different people we have here and the different perspectives and really broadening my approach from just the MBA has helped me continue to learn. But I think it's just about being hungry and being curious. And it doesn't necessarily need to be a paid program or a corporately or corporately paid for program. You can really seek it out by just being curious and by reaching out to people and, and wanting to learn off them. And a lot of the networking I've done has just been wanting to learn off people and learn about their background, very similar to what you're doing with this podcast and helping people do that. But then learn about people's challenges in the different sports in which they are working in. Because the sports is never without its challenges and definitely has its challenges for 2021. Yeah, I agree. You've touched on throughout our chat today a lot around, you know, your passions. And it's evident that you're really passionate about sport and the way in which it contributes to society. I'm interested in what you want your legacy to be within sport, if you know that yet. Some people might not know. I think I might be humble and say I'm, I'm, I'm not sure yet. <laughs> and I uh, I guess my legacy, I would want to be just empowering others and empowering those around me to continue to make a change. I don't think I need any shining lights on me and, and what I've done. I think being a part of a team that created WNBA Changemakers is certainly high on the list of one of the things I'm most proud of and would love to have kept on working on. And, and I know the, the women behind that are still continuing to do incredible things. But I think it's it's about being a team and it's about empowering others. And so the legacy that you leave is continued on by the approach in which you took, which was just that we can all work together and do better. That sounds really soppy though. No, I like that. <laughs> really I mean, cheesy. Great. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, a legacy should be a bit cheesy. Otherwise, it's not going to be uh, memorable. You want it to be something that uh, really stands yeah. out. So no, I quite like it. Thank you so much for your time. We do have one final question that we always finish up on and you've given um, so many great bits of advice, I think, as we've gone through and spoke to so many different experiences that you've had. Could you maybe give us your top three tips for females who are starting out in the sporting industry or looking to get into it? Certainly. One thing which I wish somebody had said to me when I was younger was that networking isn't just about networking up, it's about networking up, across and down you never know who's going to end up where. And so the ability to network with your peers and to connect with your peers can be as valuable as, you know, reaching somebody in an executive position and, and getting to know them. So just be kind to everybody, whether it's the person who works at the door or the top executive at the company, build a connection and build a relationship as you're networking. Another one would just be to be humble. I think humility is potentially underrated in the sports industry where people are typically uh, type A and very ambitious. So I think finding a way to be humble and to share that humility in your in your road to the top or in your in your on your way up is important. And then the other thing is just you don't have to know all the answers and you can change your career path. I look back at mine and I've been studied as a journalist and then I was a publicist in the art space. I was in a brand strategist in experiential and then went on to the commercial side of the business selling commercial rights partnerships to marketers. And I plan to then go into brand marketing. And so you can see that journey jumps around a lot. So you don't need to know right now, but find your edge, follow your passion, 
uh, and it'll the rest will figure itself out. Awesome advice. Yeah, no, I, I love it all. It was all perfect. And, and thank you so much again for your time today. It's a really interesting story and I've definitely loved hearing about it. We also look forward to hearing about what you do next now that you're in back in Australia permanently. I think there's going to be yeah, a very lucky organisation that gets to uh, work with you very soon. That's very kind. Well, thank you both so much for having me. This has Thanks, Emily. Been a, been a lot of fun, if not self-indulgent. <laughs> great. It's awesome. No, it's been great. Thank you so much. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Sports Intuition Podcast. If you did, we would greatly appreciate you taking the time to leave us a rating and any reviews. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss our next episode.